the heck? It's podcast time, everybody. Hey, what's up? It's Dave, and thanks for um, listening to the podcast. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. It is a gloomy, gloomy uh, day after Labor Day, just kind of like that depressing day where summer grinds to a halt and kids go back to school and summer ends and it starts to snow and it's awful and you know it's kind of crazy because it's not really that way at all. Um, uh, We usually get some really beautiful weather well into September. And as a matter of fact, one time uh, the station did a concert at the very end of September and it was about 96 degrees that day. Raise your hand if you remember Last Chance Summer Dance of 1997. Yikes! That was one where the Backstreet Boys um, were headlining and they couldn't perform, but girls got there early in the morning and crowded up against the fence and they wouldn't go get water and because they didn't want to lose their spot and they didn't drink water and they get dehydrated and they started passing out. And it was a horrible memorable show. Um, So my point is, even though it's gloomy and it's September, we'll still get some more summer days, I hope, because we haven't gotten into the last couple of days. How are you? I hope you're well. I hope everything is good in your world. Uh, We had a lot of things to talk about. Probably not as much, honestly, as we do on some other podcasts. And I think that's why I didn't do a podcast last week, because sometimes I think, God, I should do a podcast. But if I don't really have anything to talk about, then I don't want to do a podcast that's me just going, so, and, um, so let's get started with some meaningful stuff and talk about right away. Here we go. Guys with little penises. What? Surprise? (laughs) This kind of came out of nowhere. What are we going to talk about with guys with little penises? I was talking to a friend of mine and she is now divorced and she, you know, we talk about things that we probably shouldn't talk about and she's talking to me about her dating life and she was telling me about this guy that she met and uh, she went to reach for his penis for the first time they had sex and and she said, there's nothing there. It was like tiny. I was like, oh my God. And I said, oh I kind of feel bad for a guy like that. And she said, but Dave, it was so tiny. And I thought, oh, you know, being a guy, I thought that has got to be a really hard, pun intended, thing. Now, the first thing you're going to assume is if Dave is talking about guys with little dicks, then Dave probably has a little dick also. I will let that um, remain a mystery unless you want to meet me in Loring Park tomorrow at about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, right out there on the picnic table. Um, No, um, I mean, there's really no point in me talking about that with me. You can assume whatever you want to assume, but I just kind of think of when a guy has a body part that's so small through no fault of his own that people, women, instantly judge him as not worth it. Wow, what a really difficult thing that must be. And, you know, you think if if a woman was judged so harshly on the size of her, fill in the blank here, um, boobs, butt, whatever. I mean, you could say, well, women are judged on the size of their boobs. Well, I mean, not entirely. And plus, there's something you can do about that. Uh, but taking it back to guys... What that must be a really difficult thing to go through your life with, because most guys, you know, we're we're about average. Some of you might be more gifted than that, but what a difficult thing that would be to be like, oh my god, I have a small penis, and I know that if I go on a date, and eventually it's going to come down to sex, 
the girl is going to say something or at least think something. And uh, I'm going to tell you a quick little, I don't want to tell you too much, but I know somebody, um, nobody in my family, by the way, so don't assume that. Um, I know somebody that was worried about the size of their unit and they wrote us an email and I wrote them back and I really felt bad for them. And I said, you know, I think you have to, they were younger. And I said, you really have to remember that it's not just how big it is. I said, it's how you make her or him, I guess, but let's, let's use a woman example, how you make her feel. Do you make her feel sexy? Do you make her feel beautiful? Do you tell her that you love her? Do you tell her that she's beautiful? Um, do you tell her that she turns you on? Do you do things other than just use that? I said, there's so much more to that. And I think I, I like to think I made him feel a little bit, a little bit better. We have not talked about it since then. So, um, but I don't know. I just thought it was kind of an interesting thing, kind of a little throw you a little curve to start off the podcast. Hey, listen, the podcast, we never really get racy. Um, I swear once in a while, but I thought that was kind of interesting. Here's something else that I heard. I was watching the Today Show yesterday and there's a new uh, hands-free female vibrator called the Eva. And again, my apologies because we don't usually get sexual on the podcast because there's so many other great non-sexual things to talk about. And it was designed and built by two women. One's a psychologist and one is a, an engineer, a mechanical engineer who went to MIT. So both brilliant young women, probably around 30 years old. They built this thing that if you picture it, it looks like a little egg with curved arms on it. And it's supposed to go in there, hold on to the lady parts by tension. The arms kind of expand. It holds on to the lady parts and then vibrates. And I'm going to tell you, my wife is like on her phone looking this thing up right away. I don't know if she's ordering one. I don't know what's going on. Don't tell her I talked about this on the podcast, but um, okay, we're going to move past these sexual things and move on to some other things. I got some emails that I want to talk about. Well, first of all, my book is called Take a Shower, Show Up on Time, and Don't Steal Anything. So I got a really appropriate fitting email from somebody who writes. Let me see if I can pull it right up. Here we go. I like this a lot. Uh, it's from Sarah. Sarah says, I listen to your podcast every week and I just love what you talk about. We talk about a lot of different things. I mean, there's really no rules. Um, it used to be mostly about the book, but now we talk about I mean anything. So as you can tell, Sarah says, I was just listening to the most recent one about showing up on time and I wanted to ask you for some advice. My fiance's family is always late. They never seem to care too much about being on time. We're getting married this fall. And I was wondering if you have any tips on how we could make sure they're all on time to the wedding stuff. I mean, the groom's dinner, the rehearsal, the showers, the bachelorette parties, and of course the wedding. One thing that makes our communication difficult is they moved here from another country years ago and they prefer to speak their native language. So there is a small language barrier there. I'd really appreciate hearing anything you have to say about this topic. Thanks and advice in advance for any advice you might have. Boy, that is one of the most frustrating things ever, Sarah. And I feel for you because um, I, that's why I put it in part of my book title, Show Up on Time, inspired by, I'll be honest with you, a guy that I worked with for years who could not show up on time. And I've told the story on the podcast enough times. Eventually, it left to him, led to him getting fired from the radio station we worked at because he could just not be relied upon to show up on time. I mean, anywhere from an hour late 
not answering his phone, not able to get up with his alarm clock. Um, uh, and, and he was just unrepentant about it. And it's so frustrating because you wouldn't let somebody waste your money, but we let people waste our time all the time and we let them get away with it. Um, uh, I don't let anybody on my show be late and I don't let myself be late either. I always say everybody's late once in a while because we all are, you know, God, we oversleep or we hit traffic we didn't expect or the dog threw up all over the carpet and we had to clean it up before we left. And so there's always something once in a while and that's no problem. It's the people that are late all the time, like this guy that was on our show. So you can try the old trick. When I dated Julie back in uh, Arizona 30 years ago, Julie was also late for everything. Dinner is at 7. Julie would be still putting on her makeup at about 7.15, and we would miss our reservation. Or the movie starts at 6.30, and I would have to tell Julie that we needed to be there at 5.30. So there's a trick. You can always use the, yeah, we, you know, if you have a start time at 8 o'clock, tell them start time is at 7. Sometimes they catch on to it, but it's something. Talking to them does not help. It just doesn't. Pleading, begging. It's like trying to ask an alcoholic or a drug addict, stop. They just can't. Um, threaten them with their job. It doesn't do any good. This guy was threatened over and over and over. So you can give them the fake start time, moving it back an hour. You can try that one. Or you can try this. You can start without them. And that's one that's kind of effective. If you say, you know what? We're leaving for the movie and we're leaving in 15 minutes. If you're not ready, we're leaving. And then you leave, they might start to get the hint. Now with family, good luck with that one because I don't think your husband is ever going to let you get away with that one. Or you can just settle in and know that they're always going to be late. But that really is annoying to me because like I said, you wouldn't let somebody waste your money but we let people waste their time. Conversely, you wouldn't be willing to waste someone's money. Let's say that there's three people waiting for you to go out. Well, let's turn that time into money. Let's say you waste 30 minutes of all of their time. You've wasted an hour and a half of all of their time put together. You wouldn't waste, let's say if it was $10 for each half hour, you'd feel terrible about throwing away $30 of their money. But I'm not going to be able to convince you. If you're late, I cannot convince you or change you any more that I could talk an alcoholic out of not drinking. Um, but what you can do is just kind of leave without them. I've done it with Carson, who is chronically just a little bit late. He was going to the station with me to intern last week. And I said, buddy, you got to get up early. He got up early, but he was running a little bit late. I said, you got five minutes. He's still standing in his bedroom with his towel on and his hair wet. I said, you can be ready in five minutes. He was not ready. I got in the car and I left. And I think he about shit himself that I would actually do it. It's one thing that Susan and I have gone round and round on is she has never been one to make him suffer for running late and when he was younger missing the school bus because she was always there to take him to school and I used to say let him miss the school bus and then when he says mom I missed the school bus say well that sucks how are you going to get to school you better ride your bike you better walk and I'll bet you he wouldn't do it again so Sarah I hope that helps I think there are three choices use the time shift trick leave or start without them or just tolerate it. I mean, as a next option, you could try to talk to him, but my experience is, is that's not going to do any good. Um, let's open up the book since we're talking about advice and we're going to talk about chapter number. Hold on. I'm fiddling with everything here. Chapter number 53 
called The Wrong Partner Can Screw Up Your Whole Life. Oh, this is an important one. Listen close because it's so true. And don't we all know somebody who married a idiot and their life is more challenging? A great partner should make your life more rewarding and a little bit easier, maybe a lot easier. A partner should never ever make your life more, more difficult. And if you're settling for somebody who's like, well, you know, he's like, he's a nice guy and he loves me, but he just can't save money. As soon as we get money, he spends it all. And he is also rude and mean to my friends. And he's rude and mean to that. You know, and just no, can't keep a job, um, uh, is disrespectful, keeps getting arrested that will screw up your life. You know this already. That's the funny thing about this podcast is the people who need these lessons the most, they're not listening. That's the big irony about anything like self-help books or anything that's going to like like give advice is that the people who need it most, they could give two shits. But you, because you're conscientious and you care, you're listening and you don't need to. <laughs> but let's, let's read this chapter. Okay. Number 53, the wrong partner can screw up your whole life. There's an old episode of The Twilight Zone called Spur of the Moment where a woman is about to marry a boring guy and she's not super crazy about him. He's a good guy, but he just doesn't do it for her. The night before her wedding, her old boyfriend comes by and she sneaks out outside to see him. She is crazy about him. He's fun. He's sexy. And he wants her to run away with him. So she does. Fast forward 20 years later, Mr. Fun and Sexy became Mr. Raging Drunk who blew all of her family money. They lost their house. And as you may have guessed, they didn't hit it off very well anymore. She realized the hard way that she had married the wrong guy. And this boy is such a powerful scene because they're sitting in the same mansion 20 years later, but the curtains are torn and the furniture is dingy and she looks like hell and he looks like hell. And it's like, whoa, she married the wrong guy. Now, listen, I'm not saying that she should have married the boring guy whom she didn't love, but I will say this. Don't marry somebody with a lot of drama. If you do, you will spend your life dealing with their drama instead of enjoying life. Maybe she loves the thrill of shoplifting or getting drunk or spending money she doesn't have, or maybe he can't keep a job because the boss always has it out for him. After a while, you see a pattern. If his favorite subject is himself, if he orders you around, if he blames you for things that go wrong in his life, that's a bad sign. Turning the page. How can you go out with your friends, take a class, or go break a leg learning to snowboard if he requires constant attention from you? The sexier, hotter, live-on-the-edge partner might seem like more fun, but when you got a colicky baby on your lap and it's 4 o'clock in the morning, you're not going to want the partner who hasn't made it home from the casino yet. Okay, reading that chapter, it makes me say, find some, it makes it sound like I'm saying, find somebody boring. Hey, listen, maybe you found somebody who's exciting and fun and adventuresome and smart and sexy and has an amazing shape and they love to work out and all of that. And they're a good heart too. But hey, you get it. I don't have to you know drive this into the ground. Like I said, you're super smart and conscientious. That's why you're listening to this podcast. Hey, um, next email. Let me go back a little bit here. I read my email off my phone like everybody else, and sometimes I have to um, find it. Here we go. Okay, this is from Nate, um, and Nate adds a couple of podcast thoughts. Let me find it. 
By the way, Nate works for Apple. I have an Apple trick for you, Nate. You know this one. If you get an iPhone, um, open up your iPhone. Well, you're on the pot. You're podcasting right now. But next time you open up your your iPhone and you're going to send a text message and you want a keyboard that your thumb can reach because there's nothing worse than holding a delicious meatball marinara sandwich in your non-dominant hand and then you're trying to text with your dominant hand and you can't reach all the way to the other side of the screen with thumb. So uh, open up a text message and then tap in the text message box and then tap the globe, the globe at the bottom. Wait, you got to hold the globe in. Hold on one second here. Hold on. Where did it go? One second. Okay. Trying it again. Hold the globe in. Where did it go? You son of a bitch. Hold on. It's not doing it right now. Uh, I will not edit this part out of the podcast. Okay. Holding the globe in. There we go. Uh, You see at the bottom, there are three keyboards. The center one is in blue. Tap the one that points to your dominant hand. For me, that would be the right side. Look at that. Now the keyboard is scrunched up against the right side, meaning I can reach every character on there with my dominant hand's thumb. In my case, my right thumb. It's a little tricky because everything's a little bit smaller. And when you're done, you tap the left arrow and it goes back. So to review, if you're texting, and I'm sure it works on email too, then tap the globe and hold it in. Then it says keyboard settings. You have One that goes to the right, one that goes to the left, and the one in the middle. Tap the one that points to your dominant hand that you text with, and now you can text away. Look at that. That's amazing. Let's see if it works in email, too. Right now, Nate is going, yes, it does, you idiot. So let's try it. Reply. And yes, there we go. The keyboard works in email as well, and probably other apps as well. Anyway, so uh, just a little tip for you. Nate says, you brought up loyalty to sports teams last week on the uh, podcast. A person born in Minnesota. I fall into the category of being a Twins, Vikings, Wild, and Timberwolves fan. All teams who have some point disappointed me. So why do I keep cheering for them? Because I do want to be there when they do turn it around. And for me, it's not all about winning. Sure, that's a part of it. But I enjoy the experience of watching and following the teams. Plus, as you've said, dynasties are boring. Oh my God, Nate, you've been brainwashed. Brainwashed, I say. No, I'm just giving you a hard time. Hey, you know what? You watch for your reasons and whatever reasons those are. I just find it frustrating that the Vikings just cannot seem to win the big one. It's been coming up on 60 years and they've never won a Super Bowl. They haven't even been in one since 1979 when Jimmy Carter was president. Let that sink in. They haven't even been to a Super Bowl since Jimmy Carter was president. And you don't remember when Jimmy Carter was president. I barely remember when Jimmy Carter was president. That's a lie. I remember it very well. Uh, Anyway, so Nate goes on a little bit, and I totally respect whatever it is that you, whatever reason you decide to cheer for the Vikings or the Wolves or the Twins. Hey, you know, the Twins at least have won the series, what, three times, maybe four times? Uh, I want to say 88 or 89, maybe it was 87, probably again in 91, and probably a couple of times back in the 60s. Um, Timberwolves, hey, listen, there are just some franchises that are just mm, not going to happen for a while, and the Timberwolves have been around for 30 years, so... And I don't follow the NBA that much anyway. But Nate, thanks for the email. Email me anytime to ryanshow at kdwb.com. That's wrong. 
scratch that. I make that mistake all the time. Send it to Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. That's my own personal work email, Dave Ryan at KDWB.com. Heck, I'll get it the other way. If you send it there, that's fine too. Um, And there was one more thing wrapping up a podcast that you should check out besides mine. And thanks for listening to mine. Um, Fallon's podcast is really good. It's called Heartbroken. And the, it's basically the concept of her podcast is if you're heartbroken, she'll talk to you. And then maybe you can give some tips on other people that are heartbroken that got, uh, I don't know, cheated on, dumped, whatever. But I'll be honest with you. The best part of her podcast is not hearing their advice on how to cope with it. It's the stories about the messed up relationships they were in. Um, there's a couple on there that are good. There are a couple that are bad. Uh, the first three, I think, are really good. There's a couple that I didn't find it that interesting. Um, but the stories about what they saw and what they put up with and then that they got dumped and still want this person back is amazing to me. Just like, are you kidding? Check out her podcast. There's another one that I've been listening to called uh, Hollywood and Crime. Uh, true true crime podcast, um, and I really, I like that one a lot. That's good. They're um, about thirty minutes, so they're a little bit shorter than a lot of murdery kind of podcasts. Uh, and then there's one you must remember. This you must remember. This is a really good podcast about old school Hollywood. And there's one that I want you to check out because even though this guy lived lived and died well before any of us were born, it's a fascinating story about how far a celebrity can fall. And forgive me if I've talked about this on a podcast before, because I feel like I might have, because it's such a powerful story. And at the center of it, we forget how some some woman died uh, because of the, what happened here. But there was an actor back in, I think, the 20s or so, huge actor. We can't imagine how big he was, but he was a beloved comedian. Think of somebody like Kevin Hart, but bigger, way more famous than Kevin Hart. And um, he had a party on Labor Day weekend in like 1929. And uh, he had sex with a young actress and she died. And they're not sure whether she died because he was so big. His name was Fatty Arbuckle. So that shows you how big he was. He wasn't that big, like 250. And they say that he like, you know, ruptured her bladder by trying to have sex with her because he was so big. Um, There's another theory that he put a piece of ice in her vagina, there was another theory that she, you know, had some problems, and it was just a coincidence. But it's so weird and sad that this guy went from the top of the world to nothing, and he finally found work like eight years later, ten years later, using a different name. But then he kind of died alone and lonely and broken, forgotten. And again, none of us remember this guy. Uh, none of us were alive when he was alive, but it's a fascinating story. And you look at some of the old Hollywood stuff, it's like, this is why I keep saying Hollywood is just a bunch of degenerates for the most part that look really good. They're a really good looking bunch of degenerates. So we start to think that, well, maybe they really are good people. Hey, listen, it's all packaging. We've talked about that before. Um, thanks for listening. I've got two more things to do tonight. I want to run. I want to run at least three miles. And I want to practice my banjo lately. Yes, I've been practicing it very faithfully, and I love it. Um, I still suck at it, but it's a lot of fun. It's like a ukulele that's shaped like a banjo. And I got my daughter playing a ukulele, too. So anyway, have a great week. Thanks for listening. And until we get to do this again, remember, take a shower, show up on time, 
very important, and don't steal anything. Have a good week.